It's time to get nerdy, y'all. A little bit of gaming history for you. Something relevant in gaming and discuss our opinions on it. Should we kick it out of here or should we kickstart it? This is the part where you, the listeners, try to stump the hosts. I'm not a lawyer, I just play one on a podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Tuesday, March 17th, 2020, and you know what that means. It's time to get nerdy, y'all. Welcome to episode number 131 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I am Lom, also known as Mr. Nice Guy, and I've got my comrade in gaming commentary here with me, the Miggity 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 Mac, also known as Maction. Mac, what's good, man? How are you holding up, man? I'm holding up all right. You know, I feel like... Um, I have been prepared well for what's going on right now. Let us not forget that I spent, you know, uh, about three months in the wilds of the wilderness, away from most other human contact, and I was, uh, you know, and I, I survived. Now, when you say what's going on right now, for our listeners who are listening to this 10 years in the future, you're talking about the coronavirus, obviously, right? The pandemic that's, right. that's taken over, unfortunately. Yeah. Indeed. The pandemic, which... At least, you know, there's still some, you know, uh, some things that we don't know about it. This is early stages, uh, but we do know that it spreads rapidly. We do know that there are more people who have it than we know of, in spite of the quantity of confirmed cases that are increasing most each days. And we do know that it hits one particular group of people harder than it hits the rest of those people. The people I am referring referring to are those of a somewhat ripened age who have aged like fine wines. That's right. But you know what? It's a good Here's what I'll say. It's a tough time to be alive, but it's a good time to be alive. And we don't want y'all who are here live or listening after the fact to stress too much about the stuff that's going on. We are going to talk about the coronavirus. It affects gaming, right? It affects the games to coming out. It affects the the different things that we can play, the things we have access to. But I feel like life is good. So, Mac, any interesting stories past week you got to share? So, honestly, a lot of things have been, you know, when, when I say a lot of things have been going on, um, that's mostly been in the sort of gaming and watching territory. Apart from that, I don't have much to offer from my week, so I think it's probably best if I say, Mr. Nice Guy, what crazy stuff is going on in your life? Well, you know what? I'll tell a story about a, a, a move I made tonight. I decided to support one of my local businesses. For those of you who don't know, many restaurants, bars, comedy clubs, etc., getting shut down down due to this virus. Your lo- virus, your local game store probably shut down um, because of this. Um, there's this this business that I really like a lot called Mojo's. They do Cajun food. They also host an open mic every Tuesday here in Illinois, um, and they just have really good food, really good service. So my wife and I decided to buy dinner from there tonight and have it delivered. Now, obviously, we did not go eat it in person. Um, I didn't even interact with the guy delivering it. I just put a note on the door that said, here's the tip in the envelope. Um, please leave the food at the door and we'll we'll take it. Um, and so he did that. And when I got the bag, I was taking the food out. Mojo's came through, Mac. They put a roll of toilet paper wrapped up in the bag for everybody, I assume, who ordered from them. That is a business that cares. That is how we need to come together as Americans. That type of move, as many of you know, um, is, is needed because toilet paper is sold out. Now, do we have um, plenty of toilet paper? here in the nice guy household. Yes, we do. 
but it's the thought that counts and I was really impressed with that level of service. Indeed, and in that, in the nature of community, we're going to offer this roll of toilet paper fresh from uh, the Cajun restaurant to any of our viewers who happen to be in need. Just uh, let us know of your need and we'll take care of the shipping. Whoa, dude, I might might find a use for that, actually. Oh, okay, Uh, never mind, off the table. I I can think of a couple ways that it might be used. But I don't know how recently people have eaten, so we're not going to get into that. I will say, Mr. Nice Guy, I'm going to retract my earlier statement and say there is one interesting thing to share. And that is that I was going to travel back to Utah and I was going to pick up the items that I had left behind there, non-essential items. And we were going to, you know, I was going to bring them back in a U-Haul. But in light of the fact that I was going to have to travel through Denver, which has a lot of cases of the coronavirus, and... And I was going to have to take some, uh, shall we say, public transportation. There was just a lot of stuff that all worked together. And I was like, you know what? No, I don't think I'm going to make this trip right now. Just in interest that there are some people out there that I really don't want to pass anything on to. So instead of, like I said last time, that I was going to be doing this recording uh, from Ish Mobile's place, actually. Oh, that's uh, right. Instead, I'm still doing it here from uh, from my place in Nebraska. So, yeah, there's a development that I can that I can talk about. Well, we're glad that you're safe. We uh, we will say this. Please take the precautions necessary to be safe. Just like Mr. Nice Guy putting that envelope out and saying, here, you know, the tips in the envelope. I mean, everybody's taking precautions. I just wanted to make sure that I threw that story out there to be like, you know, I'm trying to do my part too. And if you are able to, if you're supporting these local businesses um, and you're financially able to, please tip generously. A lot of these people are missing out on a lot of money that they would have otherwise earned by having people coming into the restaurant, into the bar, into the comedy club, whatever it may be, and tipping. Um, if you just order the food and don't tip, or even if you do tip maybe what you just normally would, they're, they're not able to support their families. Um and also, one other thing, Mac, I know this is off topic, but I feel like it's important. I had the option of ordering from Uber Eats, but instead I ordered from the restaurant directly to ensure that their driver um, and the business would benefit from that delivery fee as opposed to using DoorDash or something like that. So let's do what we can to come together. Mac, on that note, I say we do what we do best and hop right into the gaming news, my friend. What do you think about that? Absolutely. And we open up with the most important story from this week. That is all of the services that have experienced overwhelming uh, overwhelming amounts of demand on their servers lately. Mr. Nice Guy, this has been crazy. I mean, uh, Xbox ha- servers have had troubles. Nintendo servers have had troubles. Have we had any outages for the Sony PlayStation for the Sony servers as well? We have not yet, and we're not biased towards Sony. That's not what he's implying. We, we're console agnostic. We like good games. We like good gaming experiences. But Mac is exactly right, and that is one of our news stories this week. Um, let me read about it from IGN.com. This is written by Matthew Perslow. It says, Nintendo's online services such as the Switch eShop and multiplayer networks are temporarily down, or at least they were as of this writing. Down Detector shows that the Nintendo network is experiencing problems and that there are possible problems with both Nintendo Switch Online and Nintendo eShop. IGN's own testing has revealed that it's currently not possible to access the eShop. The Nintendo of America online service page also notes that problems on all network services across Switch, Wii U, 3DS, and web portals. So, Mac... It's a crazy time to not have internet um, or to not have access to eShops. Now, when I saw this, 
a couple days ago when Xbox was down, Xbox Live was down, I encouraged my followers and the followers of the podcast to make sure that they have access to games that do not require internet, just in case we have issues going forward, right? Because there's a lot of people working from home. If Xbox Live is down, if PSN is down, if Nintendo is down, and all you have are multiplayer games or games that require a connection, you'll be out of that hobby. You won't be able to do it. Um, Have you taken any precautions to make sure that you have access to stuff in that event? Well, Mr. Nice Guy, um, when I was doing the moving around, whether that was you know, out up into the mountains of Utah or out into the the crazy metropolitan that is Omaha, Nebraska. Yep. I brought only the essential items, but among those essential items were every one of my retro consoles. Oh, fantastic. Um, which they those didn't actually turn out to be as essential as I thought they were. As a matter of fact, I basically didn't even crack them out the whole time that I was in Omaha. Rather, I had the chance to play, say, Breath of the Wild and several other things. Um, but I still have them all here with me. And the other night when we were experiencing, what was it, 20 million users on Steam at once? Yeah. Uh, also pretty intense. I cracked out my Game Boy Advance clone and got to playing on uh, on some games on that. So, yeah, I would say that I've got several games ready to go should it be, you know, the time for the networks to go down. Yeah, so gaming is one of those hobbies that um, I feel like the industry in some senses has moved away from single-player experiences. And so retro is definitely a good way to go if you want to ensure that you have something that you can do while you are um, not able to play, right? Now, for people like me who are mostly console gamers, um, we have access to Xbox Game Pass. We have access... Can't talk today. Access to the PlayStation Network um, if you have PS Plus and all of the games that come within those libraries. And so I have been encouraging anyone who will listen to go down and download some of those single-player experiences that do not require an internet connection. Now, Mac, let's talk other forms of media, because this is important. We're going to acknowledge that the coronavirus could potentially make it hard to play some of these games if the services are down and they cannot be restored due to people working from home. What other forms of media, what other things will you do in that event to occupy your time? Uh, There's this thing. um, It's kind of old school, but uh, people took, like trees and thinly sliced them and then wrote on them with the uh, inks and in words and so i'm thinking of cracking open one of these compendiums of tree slices uh books that's right that's what they're called i've got a couple of books yeah so books are a good thing um i'll tell you guys one of my guys and girls one of my favorite books of all time um ender's game love that book Great book to read in a time like this. Um, I I love that book. I love the series. Um, And then, you know, my wife and I were into physical media, so we have a ton of Blu-rays, ton of uh, DVDs. Maybe we even have a couple VHSs if we need to break out the VHS, go old school, um, that we can watch in the event that something happens where we do not have internet access. So it's just a good preparation to make. Um, Let's move on to our next news story, Mac. Let's see. Let's talk about one of the biggest stories from this week. The Nintendo Indie Direct. 
This uh, is from IGN, excuse me, this is from Kotaku.com, written by Nathan Grayson. It says, Today's indie-focused Nintendo Direct was chock full of time Switch exclusives. Here's a quick rundown of what you missed if you were spending your quarantine time staring at a wall in anticipation of Animal Crossing instead of staring at Nintendo's YouTube channel in anticipation of Animal Crossing. I like that. Uh, he says, Today's Direct was a rapid-fire machine gun blast of Nintendo Switch games, most of which are timed exclusives. So without further ado, here's the list. Now, Mac, I don't know if you got to watch this. I know you were busy during the day, um, but here's some of the games that were announced. Blue Fire is a 3D platformer set in a place called The Void. It's being made by Graffiti Games and Roby Studios. It will be out this summer. Baldo is a JRPG-inspired game from Italy. It looks like a Jibili movie. It'll also be out this summer. I Am Dead is an intriguing-looking puzzle game using X-ray vision. I'm not going to read all of the descriptions, but I will read the name of the games. Bark, family-friendly side-scrolling shooter. Cyanide and Happiness. Freak... Freak... Apocalypse. That's an interesting name. I feel like those two words don't really go together. I feel like cyanide and happiness really don't mix. Well, I don't know. Wasn't that the, uh, oh, but that was arsenic. I was going to say arsenic. They used to use cyanide cap- capsules when they were like worried about being interrogated. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Let's keep it family friendly, but you get where I'm going with that. Um, what else? Summer in Mara, uh, Quantum League. Now, I will talk about Quantum League for a minute because I did watch the trailer for that one, and it looks interesting to me. For those of you who are old school gamers and maybe played GoldenEye 64, um, this is a first-person shooter. It's a little bit more cartoony looking, almost has like a fort- Fortnite feel, but um, there is no ability to aim down sights. And so when I was watching this, I immediately thought, oh, this is kind of like GoldenEye 64. They're taking it back, um, but with a little bit more modern of graphics. So I think that this could potentially be um, a cult classic. The only difference is that now there's so much oversaturation of the FPS genre. We'll see if it hits. And the Switch has not really done well with FPSs in the past. Um, Another game is The Good Life. uh, And The Last Campfire. Love it. Feria, Eldest Souls, Skyracket, Moving Out, and there's a few more, I believe. Exit the Gungeon came out today. Uh, you ever play Enter the Gungeon, Mac? I'm familiar with it, haven't played it. Okay, it's a pretty good game, and I think that that is a Maction game. Procedurally generated, um, going around, shooting stuff, but it's not really just based on the gunplay. There's some strategy involved, so I think that might be a game that you would like. Um, let us know in the chat what your favorite Nindies were, or rather, favorite Indies were that were announced. Mac, why do you feel like Nintendo is so focused on Indies at this point? I know in the past it was like, yeah, this is the system for Indies, but I want some more big Breath of the Wild-like experiences. Why well, are we Breath of the Wild of 2 is coming out, but a lot of it has to be that, you know, good stuff, quality takes time, Mr. Nice Guy, and you can't rush art. But one thing that you can do is if there are a lot of indie developers and they want to bring their, you know, their games to the platform by welcoming them in, um, that those quiet spaces, those lulls in between big content releases don't seem so long anymore. I think it's a calculated, you know, uh, design on the part of Nintendo to shore up their releases. You could very well be right about that. So that could be it. Because the first year of Switch was fire, and the second year was pretty good too. This year has been fine, but it hasn't been like previous years. So, anyway, let's continue. Now, Mac, this next news story, I almost wanted to do it as topic of the week, but I feel like we beat up on GameStop a lot. So let's just talk about this story, because it's very important, but I didn't want it to be the topic of the week. This is by Ian Walker from Kotaku.com. 
Uh, and the title is GameStop Employees Fear Its Coronavirus Policies Are Dangerously Flawed. Last week, GameStop sent an email to its customers assuring them that the gaming retail chain was taking necessary precautions in the face of the coronavirus pandemic. Some employees, however, have shared concerns with Kotaku about the company's ability to keep them and their customers safe. GameStop's message to consumers was that the company had assembled an internal COVID-19 task force that would implement three key strategies to protect customers' employees. That included providing 5,700 retail stores with cleaning supplies and hand sanitizers, telling people to stay home and sick, blah, 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 right? So here's some quotes from employees, Mac, that say uh, um, statements about what they feel is really happening. Thus far, I've seen little to no measures from taken from corporate, and I certainly haven't seen any supplies to prevent further outbreaks, said a GameStop supervisor who wished to remain anonymous. My colleagues and I are sharing a small bottle of hand sanitizer that was purchased through our own pockets, as well as making as much usage out of depleting a depleting bottle of all-purpose cleaner. We were only just given permission to turn off console demos yesterday, and my cleaning supplies have been back-ordered for two months. As far as more immediate measures go... The stores in my area have received nothing. Uh, Mac, I am not going to read all of the statements, but suffice it to say they're redundant. So it's it's the same story over and over again. You once made a statement, and I was thinking about this a lot today, where you said corporations are not your friend. Um, what do you think about this in relation to that? Is that what's happening here? Or do we need to be more empathetic because this was such an unexpected situation? Okay, so I wouldn't let any group, any, especially any corporation, off of the hook for this. Yes, sure, unexpected, but I don't think that just because it's unexpected that a bad response is necessarily, you know, you should wave the hand because, ah, it was unexpected. And for GameStop, yeah, no, I, I wouldn't give them a pass. <laughs> okay. And I'm with you on this. Um, here's what I'll say. I feel like in times like this, you can really tell how much you are valued and how much your health is valued by the company that you work for if they are taking precautions to make sure that you are safe. Not only did GameStop not do that, according to these quotes from these employees, but they lied to the public and said that they were taking these precautions. So they're doubly wrong, in my opinion. One, because they're endangering their employees. Two, because they're telling the public that they've taken precautions that they have not and encouraging people to keep shopping there under the premise, under the guise that they have wiped things down, that they have given employees hand sanitizer, that they have made sure that their business is a clean place. Um, and that bothers me. So here's one more quote. It says, Many associates are fearing losing their jobs because store leaders or district leaders are telling us internally that if we stay home and do not supply a doctor's note verifying that we are being doctor ordered not to work, it will be an unexcused absence, said one employee. So once again, I feel like this is when people's true colors come out. If you work for someone or for a company and they are making moves like this and making statements like this where it's clear that they don't value your health, it might be time to reevaluate. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to say, but that's all I wanted to, to get out about that. You know, it's it's all fine and good for us to say, you know, it might be time to reevaluate. But sadly, it's just going to be really, really difficult. I just want to throw out there that while Mr. Nice Guy does say that, we're very, you know, we're not like, oh, well, you know, t sucks to be you type of thing. We understand that, you know... 
that it's like this is the worst time for you to have to reevaluate and it's a shame that Correct. realizing that they're not on your side has to come at such a bad time but do what you can everybody stick with it and when the time comes for you to accept something different try and go with somebody who treats you better i guess and once again we're getting one side of the story we're getting quotes from the employees gamestop has not responded these may be isolated incidents so we want to give them the benefit of the doubt also i want to be empathetic i want to give them the benefit of the doubt maybe maction doesn't right my my stance on anything is that until i hear both sides i kind of want to take it with a grain of salt right also i want to be empathetic because this is something that nobody expected and it's kind of like, well, surprise, there's there's a deadly illness out there that's easily spreadable, easily transmittable, and you got to find a solution in two days, right? Um, so, don't want to beat them up too much for that. At least I don't. Uh, Mac, let's, uh, let's end on that, man. We got so much news, but we got a lot of other stuff to talk about, too. Let's talk some video game history. And let's start something that I think might be very near and dear to Mr. Nice Guy's heart. Mr. Nice Guy, do you remember a place in Seattle called Gameworks? Oh, absolutely. I love Gameworks. And in fact, real quick, when I moved out here to Illinois, Mm -hmm. I was up in Schaumburg up north for a meeting and I drove past a GameStop and it brought back all the warm, tingly feelings. Excuse me, a Gameworks. And it brought back all the warm, tingly feelings that I had growing up because I have so many good memories of it. If I could ask for just one story from the Gameworks. They had games that were not just um, like your classic arcade games or even your House of the Dead, but they had interactive games. So one story, they had this elevator game where you could get in it, you could ride up, and I believe you were shooting a gun as you were like in the elevator. Like you were strapped in, Mac. It was lifting you off the ground. Oh, okay. Um, And I remember it was like $4 per turn, which at the time I was like, what? All the other games are a quarter. That's a lot. In retrospect, that's a steal. So I remember playing that game, having a good time. Well, Mr. Nice Guy, I bring up Gameworks because it was this last week in 1997 that Gameworks Arcade in Seattle, which I believe was their first, do believe was their first location, opened. So cheers to you, Gameworks, and happy birthday. 1997? Looking at 23 years and going strong. Um, a couple of other interesting things. Castlevania Bloodlines released in the 19 in 1994 for the Sega Genesis. An excellent game, or at least a game that I certainly enjoyed. I believe it was the only Castlevania game released for the Sega Genesis. Um, definitely a unenjoyable one. I learned some good solid mac and cheese strats on that game and managed to get the whole way through it on stream. Um, a little bit proud of that, even though I did have to cheese the last boss a touch. In 2009, a game near and dear to my heart, Resident Evil 5 was released on the PS3 and the Xbox 360. Now, Resident Evil, I've had sort of a rocky history with it, personally. Um, I've told the story about Resident Evil 2 and playing that way back in the day. Um, We've got a a bunch of other times that I've tried to play the Resident Evil games, and they haven't really landed with me. Uh, The original and Resident Evil 3, not my favorites. 4, also not great, but I appreciated the ability to do the new, you know, the new style of it. But Resident Evil 5 is when I feel like the Resident Evil franchise, for me at least, became 
just perfect, just right. The addition of a second character being able to play things co-op, which we of course saw them use again in Resident Evil 7 and then depart from, or sorry, in Resident Evil 6 and then depart from in Resident Evil 7. But nonetheless, Resident Evil 5 for me, just perfect. Uh, so my fondest memories of the Resident Evil franchise are right there this week in the last, you know, in, uh, in 2009. And then the last, but uh, something we're going to actually circle back to in Legalese, the end of the Connectix v. Sony, uh, you know, lawsuits back and forth. So, uh, so more to come on that. But it was this year in, or this last week in 2001, that we saw an end for their legal battle over their emulation of the original PlayStation. And uh, Mr. Nice Guy, that's what I had for gaming history today. Now, let me ask you this before we jump over, because I'm curious about this. Have you ever been to GameWorks? I've never been to GameWorks. Dang. But I knew that you had said I, I knew you had said GameWorks at some point in time. So yeah. when I was digging for. Uh, for history items, uh-huh. and I saw that one, I'm like, yes, this. We will talk about this. Well, Mac, let's talk about our topic of the week. And we're messing with the audio for those of you that are here live. Hopefully it becomes a little bit more balanced for you. Um, this news story comes from techradar.com. Now, Mac, we're going to talk about some real nerdy stuff, some hardware stuff that I need your opinion on, right? So... This is about the Xbox Series X, and I want to get your opinion on how the specs that were recently released compare to PC specs, right? Like maybe my PC specs, because it looks like the terminology is a little hard to understand. So here's the specs that are going to be available for the Xbox Series X. The CPU, 8 times Zen 2 cores at 3.8 gigahertz, parentheses, 3.6 gigahertz with SMT, 7nm. I have no idea what that means. Uh, 7nm would be 7 nanometers. It's a measure of the smallest amount of area where they're able to pack the... Uh, basically, the smaller the nanometers, the smaller the um, the processor architecture. That's oh, the okay. short answer. But it just means that when you've in the same square... Um, area that you can pack more processing power. The smaller, it, you know, the smaller you go. Okay, sounds good, man. Well, good. And then we have GPU, 12 teraflops, 52 CUs at 1.825 gigahertz, custom RDNA 2, memory, 16 gigabytes GDDR6, storage, 1 terabyte custom NVMe SSD. I know what that means. Um, optical drive, 4K UHD, Blu-ray, 128 frames per second support, potential 8K resolutions, ray tracing technology, variable rate shading with more stable frame rates, and compatible with Xbox One accessories. So, Mac, my first question is, how does that compare to your run-of-the-mill PC? My second question is, if on a power level the new Xbox can compete with PCs, will they win some market share from previously PC-only players? It certainly sounds like it is going to be able to compete well with current PCs. I have not built one recently, with the exception of building one with you, but in that scenario, you're the one who actually built it, in the sense that you picked the parts and things like that. Uh, But it sounds pretty on par with the things that I've heard from current releases. Now, if there's one stat spec I can ask you to go over again... um, 
What did you say about RAM for it? Uh, for memory? So yeah. it says 16 gigabytes GDDR6. GDDR6. Okay, that's the that's the graphics, the graphics memory, um, because that's what the the G means in front of in front of the in front of RAM. Does it have any other thing like a DDR5 or DDR4? It does not. No, it doesn't, there? and that's what's okay. weird about it. Okay. Well, I mean, for the most part, it's going to be... They're probably going to be just leveraging that graphics RAM for everything, I suppose. But, uh, but anyway, um, it, is, it is fast. That's fast RAM for the GPU, and that's very good. But, uh, and, you know, people in the chat are pointing out that that's a faster rate of, of data transfer, the GDDR RAM, than, you know, normal DDR RAM. Most of the time, when you're building a PC, the GDDR RAM is only a function of the, you know, of the video card, of your graphics card, as opposed okay. to uh, the rest of your system. For you, Mac, and for the people who are in the chat, because I know we have some PC gamers in the chat, let's say this thing is $500 are all in. You're getting a pretty solid gaming machine for 500 bucks because a PC for 500 bucks, you're not getting this, right? You're not even getting a really good graphics card. Would it would it entice you to make the switch from being more of a PC gamer to being more of a console gamer if you could get a box that runs games at this ability for a much cheaper price than a PC? You know, if we could get something for that, I would certainly try you know, pushing my video gaming needs to something more like that, for sure. Um, but, I mean, at the same time, I I don't feel like it's uh, mutually exclusive. I don't feel like that's the decision that I have to make, especially what with the fact that my tastes are so low. But I know you're asking this because you want me to put myself in the yeah. place of somebody else, a normal person. Right, right. Your average average run-of-the-mill, you know, person. And for them, it'll probably be significantly more appealing for that. So I think you're on the right track. And, and I guess the underlying part of my question is, what is it about PCs that everyone loves? Is it, the, is it the graphics? Is it the power? Is it the customization? Because it sounds like Xbox is making a push to get that person. And, and I think it's clear because if you look at even the shape of the Xbox Series X, it's a tower. Um, it's not your typical shaped console. It's more shaped like a PC. And so I think I think Xbox is saying, hey, Sony has kicked our trash. Um, let's see if we can get some PC gamers to buy into this. And then maybe they have their PC. They also have their Xbox. And then, Mac, if they get Game Pass... It really falls into Xbox's marketing strategy of Game Pass is available on the PC and the Xbox only. They really get the benefit of playing those games on both places. That's my thought. So I, I think that's what they're trying to do. I don't know if it will work. Um, let us know in the chat what y'all think. So Mets Girl has some good, uh, some good solid experience in PCs and really the whole IT sphere. And her comment is that I think they're trying to get the frames per second up on a 4K TV, and that that's a lot of what they're building the system toward, is that. And that could certainly be the case. I don't know how well the current series of Xbox does for frames per second on a 4K, but I imagine it could always be improved. Um, to the question about what is it that the other PC-having people are looking for, uh, folk like Ish Mobile are looking for customization being part of it. They like being a, they like looking for 
being able to do whatever they want. Whereas house is much houseless gamers much more uh, compelled by uh, you know 120 FPS plus and having mods, being able to install mods on games. Now, you know, it's interesting to me because I've always felt that PC gamers wanted to game on PC because the benefit of using a mouse and keyboard. No, not one person has mentioned that they're they're talking about graphics. They're talking about customization. They're talking about frames per second. Um, I, I don't know if PC gamers really like the mouse and keyboard setup as much as we think they do. I think that they just want a really big, beefy, powerful machine that can be later upgraded. So, who knows if Xbox will also add that ability if they'll say, hey, for, uh, you know how, Mac, you know how sometimes consoles will have, like, a mid-generation upgrade, but it's full price, right? So, like, the PlayStation and then the, uh, PlayStation Pro, maybe Xbox will just say, hey, you spend 500 up front, mid-generation, you spend another 250, you can upgrade this GPU. We're not gonna have you pay full price again. Now, Mr. Nice Guy, there is one other thing that we've found out about the, uh, you know, this new... Xbox, and that is that it's going to have a, uh, I don't want to call it a proprietary data format, but it's going to have expandable memory in the sense of storage um, in a proprietary format, kind of like they did for the Xbox 360. That's exactly right. I would say to your, you know, to your question that OpenEd may be allowing things to be upgraded, I think that the that the expandable storage that they're offering, that they're offering their own solution, I think if they allowed for some sort of a mid, mid-generational refresh with hardware upgrades, that it would absolutely be a thing that was more tightly controlled by Microsoft. I just kind of get that sort of, you know, the overtones of control in the sniffer. And if, and if they start selling individual parts, you know, then they got to deal with, oh, you avoided the warranty, you know, you put it in wrong. So who knows? Maybe I'm completely off base with that. But it'll be interesting to see. Well, Mac, that's what I had for our topic of the week. Um, there's one aspect of gaming that I want us to address, as always, and that is a crowdfunding project that's trying to get off the ground. We call this Kick or Kickstart. I'll go ahead and share a Kickstarter project in the chat. We can all have a look. Mr. Nice Guy and I are going to talk about the things that we think work, the things that we think don't. And then at the end, all of you have a job here, and that is to let us know whether you or not you think this should be kickstarted or it should be kicked out of here. Hence, kick or kickstart. This is called Swords and Magic and Stuff. It's an open-world RPG. They're looking for $21,000 to get this project off of the ground. And when I was originally typing up everything here, um, they were about halfway there. They are now much closer to 75% of the way there. So, let's go ahead and take a peek. They are looking to release for Windows and uh, Mac, so basically your desktop platforms via Steam. This game comes out of Seattle, Washington, Mr. Nice Guy's hometown. That's right. Um, They are, uh, let's see, here we are. If you like what you see, kind of the minimum buy-in is $20 in order to get yourself a... um, Uh, a copy of the game upon release, which they are saying is set to release in September of 2020. So, what are some of the things that they're saying are good about this? Well, it's cooperative, open world, you know me, 
I like cooperative. The graphics on it are, it's kind of got this cute cell shady kind of look to it. Um, and the adventurers that you play in this co-op RPG don't have classes. There's no levels. You can just kind of buy craft and play it however you want. So there is a story as old as time. And they say that they're designing it, that they've been designing it and building it live on Twitch, which is definitely an awesome thing. My favorite game of the last decade, one of, definitely one of my favorites, Chasm, one of the things that I really enjoyed about it was that during the development process, um, those of us who backed it on Kickstarter actually got to watch it put together. We got to watch some things developed, and granted, they didn't show us everything, but they showed us quite a bit. Um, they plan. They say that they plan to continue to take that sort of an approach as they do it, building it, you know, live streamed for people to be able to see, and more importantly, as they say, for the people who've backed it in order to give feedback on it. Um, let's see, what else? Um... You know, a lot of customization options and stuff like that. Mr. Nice Guy, anything uh, anything strike you about so this? I want, I want to ask everyone in the chat who's here, what do you think about the name of the, the game? Swords, swords, swords magic. And, and magic and stuff. And I like that it's swords in magic and stuff. Like swords and magic and stuff. Apostrophe N. Swords and yeah. magic and stuff. Mets girl's hyped in the chat. She says, "This is my game. Pets, you can have pets." Let me tell you this about the game. It looks cool. Um, I don't know if you've ever played Dungeon Defenders. If anyone ever has, this reminds me of that type of game. Not that it's a tower defense game, but just the way the camera's set up, just the way the characters look. It has that type of feel. So I really like that. I don't like the name. But I feel like it was very much intentional. It's not like they were sitting down and they were like, what should we call it, guys? There's swords and there's magic. Should and we call it stuff. swords and magic? Yeah, and someone else And it's like, just like, there's... no, no, hang on a second. There's still stuff beyond <laughs> swords and magic here, okay? We need to add that stuff so that people know what they're getting. We gotta be specific in our marketing. We gotta have at least two ands in the title, swords and magic and stuff. No, I, you know what? I think it looks like a good game. Um, I think $20 probably reasonable i guess i don't know how much replay this is gonna have um well to be fair to them there was an early bird tier that was 15 dollars, but you know 200 backers already claimed that that one so nice so 20 dollars for the rest of us latecomer suckers now i feel like i feel like pc gaming is often neglected and so this type of game on a pc as opposed to a switch you know i'm an advocate for indies being on the switch um i feel like it's a mistake it's always a mistake because I feel like it's not going to get the coverage that it deserves when people start reviewing games. Because these types of games, Mac, they're a dime a dozen on the PC. If you look at the Steam store, there is just so many games that people released for 10 to 20 bucks um, that are this type of game. And so I feel like I, w I wish they had put it on the Switch, but I, I really don't have a ton of complaints about it. It looks like it'll be a good game. Now, people in the chat seem to like this, Mac. This is your segment. Do you want to read some of these comments? Sure, sure. So, uh, Ishmobile thinks that the name is fine, tongue-in-cheek. He's impressed with what he sees from the combat complexity. And Matt's Girl, of course, is all in about this one. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I feel like, Mr. Nice Guy, we might know 
enough to at least uh, at least approach the topic. So let me let me tell you about what I don't like. As you okay. know, I feel like if you're a game and you want my money, you need to show me that you can bring all the components together. Not just show me mock-ups, not just show me gifts of, you know, of the game, air quotes, at work. And this this Kickstarter does not have a playable demo for me to experience. However, keep in mind that while the letter of the law here is playable demo or nothing, um, the spirit of the law here is I need to know that you can bring these components together. Okay, and but it, in their and, defense... In their defense, what I'm going to say is that them live-streaming the development process... Yes. ...kind of satisfies that requirement on my side. It gives me the peace of mind that I can say, all right... So you actually have the skills to put this together, not just to make something flashy, but to make something that actually works. And I can see that with my eyes, even if I can't, you know, play it with my own with my own hands. So while it does not have a playable demo, this is one of those few times that I think that's not such a big deal because they overcome that hurdle. They overcome that detriment in a unique and interesting way. I agree 100% with that. Yeah. So, unless there's anything else you wanted to say on the subject. No, sir. No, sir. Let's vote. I think it's time. So, for me, I say kickstart. Yeah, I'm going to say kickstart as well. I see nothing wrong with this. Um, I can acknowledge that even if a game may not be for me, that I think it should be made. And it's out of Seattle. So, what more can I ask for? I say kickstart. All right. And, of course, you in the chat, you know you've got a job as well. And those of you listening to the show after the fact... Let us know what you think. Just shout it out on your commute. Say kick or kickstart. We're tabulating from here. Uh, but so far, it is looking good. So far, most everybody else in the chat seems to be interested in the kickstarting of this. So, good on you guys. Good for you, swords and magic and stuff. Um, Kindred Games is the name of it, is the name of the game company. And uh, you seem to have hit all the right notes here. So that's been Kicker Kickstart. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for our next segment of the show, a segment we like to call Nerdflex. A segment where we do some video game trivia and I try to stump Maction. Well, Mac, last week we did a little thing where you tried to trick me. This week, we're going to do a little thing where I try to trick you. Um, I pulled a video game, some video game questions. I will say, as Mr. Nice Guy's going into this, don't forget, it's not just Mr. Nice Guy, it's not just us trading volleys here. You guys get into this as well. Get us those questions. Try to stump us. Stump us. Yeah, I challenge and, you. And if you do that, make sure you send the answers separately from the questions so we don't show, see them. You're going nowhere. I got you for three questions. (laughs) That's exactly it. So, Mac, I got some questions. I don't think these are too tough, but let's see how you do this week. It was fun last week when you tried to stump me. Now I'm I'm coming back, coming trying to get you. Um, Question number one. What part of an Xbox 360 causes the red ring of death? These are multiple choice. Multi, what's the word I'm looking for? Multiple choice. (laughs) I'll repeat the question. What part of the Xbox 360 causes the red ring of death? Is it A, 
the graphics card, B, the heat sink, C, the lights, D, both A and B, or E, none of the above. So both A and B would have been graphics card and heat sink, right? Correct. Okay, so I've never worked on an Xbox 360, and I don't know for sure what makes them go haywire. But what I'm definitely leaning toward is graphics card, or I'm sorry, is heatsink. And I'm also leaning a little bit towards graphics card. It is likely that there was also a heatsink integrated to the graphics card as well, which makes me feel like that question where it's like, oh, both heatsink and graphics card leads me to think that that's the correct answer. Again, I haven't you know, taken apart one, I don't know for sure, but that's what I feel like the answer is, and that's the one I'm going to go with. So you're going to go with what? Uh, uh, what is it? Is it a D, where it's both A and B? Correct. Yeah, that's what I'm going to go for. Okay. Let us know in the chat. Now, Spenis in the chat thinks that it's D as well. Spenis is pretty good at this trivia, and he has sent us some trivia questions in the past. And the answer is D. Mac, you got it right. You're one for one. Both well, graphics- not just me. Spenis, you you deserve some credit for this too, sir. Spenis as well. All right. Um, there was another really good one I had found. Okay. Um, here's, here's one, and then we'll do a tough one for the last one. Um, what is known, and this is a little subjective, but what is known as the hardest game of all time? Yeah, Mac, the hardest game of all time. Do you want to try to guess without the multi-choice, multi, multi uh, choice, multiple choice, or do you want to hear the choices? Um, well, I want to say that at the very least, on the honorable mention of hardest games of all time, ought to be those games like I Want to Be the Boshi and I Want to Be the Man, and those ones where it's just everything one hit kills you. But there, there is a game franchise that's like, we used to say there's hard and then there's Nintendo hard, but we would say like Dark Souls level difficulty. Dark Souls has become synonymous with, you know, it's crazy hard. Yeah. So, I mean, I couldn't, I'll need you to give me the, uh, give me that's, the multiple choices. It's funny on. you say that because Uncle Ruckus just said Dark Souls and... Uh, Matt's girl just said it's got to be a Nintendo game, so right on par with what you were just saying. Yeah, we are um, on the same. We are wavelengthing. Yeah, we got the best chat in the world. Um, well, Mac, here's the answers. Here's the options, I should say: A. Ghosts and Goblins. B. Assassin's Creed. C. Ninja Gaiden. D. Contra. Or E. Neverwinter Nights. What is known as the hardest game of all time? Definitely not Neverwinter Nights, and definitely not Assassin's Creed. Um, so that leaves us with uh, Ghosts and Goblins, right? Correct. Um, that leaves us with... Uh, uh, what were the other two that I didn't already... Okay, so that's okay. So you had uh, Ghosts Ghost and Goblins, Goblins uh-huh. Ninja Gaiden, Ninja or Gaiden. Contra. Contra. So depending on which Ninja Gaiden... Um, and it not and certainly not Contra. Depending upon which Ninja Gaiden, I could see certainly see a great argument there. Hmm. Um, I feel like it's either got to be Ninja Gaiden or it's got to be Ghosts and Goblins. 
And because I am old school, I'm going to lean towards the ghosts and goblins and say A is probably the answer that they're going for. The answer is Ghosts and Goblins, Mac. You got it. You're two for two. You are two for two. Sorry. No, good job, man. What song is that game from? Ghosts and Goblins. That's what I thought. All right, right on point. So here's the last question. Let's see if you can go three for three. How many different forms does the final boss in Legend of Dragoon take? So hang on, hang on. Before we actually go any farther with this one, the industry standard is three is three forms. But um, Legend of Dragoon, I had that game. I played I know, that I game. I remember you bringing it up it, before. But remember, there was a scratch at the end of disc one. So I've never gone past disc or uh, sorry disc two. Or was it disc one? Well, then this is going to be right a, at a tough disc transition. I've never been to the end for you to answer. Yep. But uh, so here's the, the options. options are what? One, two, three? No, there's five options, right? Is it one, two, three, four, five? Uh, no. The options are three, four, seven and a half. I'm just kidding. Three, four, five, one, or nine. Okay, nine is ridiculous. One is ridiculous as well. Three is the industry standard, but I feel like this would not be a question if it conformed to the industry standard. Um, seven seems a little bit much as well, so I'm going to aim for the middle of the road in this selection and say C, five. Now we have different answers in the chat. We have one person who thinks it's five. Mm-hmm. We have one person who thinks it's nine. Are you sure you want to stick with five? Yeah, I'm going to go with five because it's the middle of the set. So okay. when I don't know, when you don't know, trend toward the middle of the set. That's oh, a smart test taking tactic. And did it work today on question number three? The answer is number five, Mac. You went three for three today. Three for three. That has been our NerdFlex segment. Mac, back over to you, buddy. Good work. Thank you. I am honored to have clean swept this one. And don't forget, get your stuff in to stump us. But it is time real quick for another uh, for another sound test. So I'm going to play a mystery. Oh, we're doing it. We are doing it. I'm going to play a mystery sound. And the... Um, the, the rules are simple. Just like last time, you need to uh, at two nerds in a pod with the hashtag sound test and whatever your guess is for the sound. Good luck. You'll need it. Back to the normal show. And we need to finish off strong with a little bit of legalese. Legalese. So what we're going to talk about is Sony V Connectix. And this is one of the games, or sorry, one of the lawsuits that, uh, that show, that prove that emulators are legal in spite of some companies trying to tell you otherwise. So the short version is that a company called Connect- Connectix made a PlayStation 1 emulator that was a huge success 
in the late 90s. Among other things, it, al it allowed for full-speed emulation of PlayStation 1 games with the you know, with the PlayStation disc. You could just pop that in, run it full screen on your computer. It was delightful. And for a platform that, like, for example, Macintosh, the Macintosh computers, um, that didn't really have a very good games library, this is a matter not of opinion, but a matter of historical fact, that it greatly increased the uh, the options that they had because that opened the whole Sony PS1 library. So uh, definitely cool. But Sony took issue with this and they took them to court and they said, you guys are infringing on our copyright. To which a uh, district court said, yeah, yeah. And then Kinectix appealed that up and the uh, and the circuit court, the the uh, ruled three to zero, that Connectix was actually in the right on this, that they were welcome to do that, and this is a lawsuit that has been referenced back to many times, and they used, shall we say, fair use, something that might be uh, popular with some of us creative types. Uh, to discuss how this was okay. And so we'll actually just go down the four things and hit what it was that they, uh, that they said about it. Number one, the nature of the copyrighted work. So they did say that functional concepts aren't protected by copyright. Now that's something we are going to discuss a lot more in detail in when we go in depth on Sega v Activision, uh, but that's not coming up for another couple of months. I need time to prepare that one because it's a good one and it's and it's a very big and important case in video games and in intellectual property. Um, so, but they said, yeah, you can't just you know the copyright doesn't protect the fundamental concepts, the functional concepts of how something works. Two the amount of copyrighted work used. And they looked at it and they said, there is basically no code that uh, Connectix used from Sony uh, when they put together this emulator. Uh, they might've, you know, decompiled the code, deconstructed things and work made their own workarounds, but they aren't using the proprietary software. They made their own thing. Uh, number three, the purpose of the use. Well, this was objectively, well, okay, they called it moderately transformative, but it was a transformative work because they opened up the PS1 to whole new platforms. And that court said that this definitely counted as a transformative work. That's item number three of fair use. And then item number four, the effect, the potential effect on the market. And they did agree that it gave some modest competition in the sale of consoles because people now had alternatives. So you didn't only have to uh, go just to Sony to get something that would play the PlayStation games. But they did say, and I'm going to quote straight from the, uh, from the decision, some economic loss by Sony as a result of this competition does not compel a finding of no fair use. Sony understandably seeks control over the market for devices that play Sony pro games uh, Sony produces or licenses. The copyright law itself, however, does not confer such a monopoly. 
So while they said, yes, Sony, you can be salty about this, you can be upset about this, and you can not want that competition, understandably so, but your copyright does not give you a monopoly over the whole, you know, over the whole method of trying to play a game, even if it is a game that's one of your licensed products. And that one especially is something that you can take to the bank when you're talking about emulators. In spite of what some people will tell you, emulators are perfectly legal. 100%. Now, the sad part is, after this whole thing, Sony bought Connectix and threw the uh, Connectix, you know, PS1 emulator into a drawer, never for it to see the light of day again. So they still kind of won. But just so you know, that's a little bit of legalese. Fan freaking tastic, Maxion. I always feel so educated after listening to legalese. Thank you for tuning in, everybody, to Two Nerds in a Pod, episode number 131. Before we go, we have one last segment where we talk about the cool, nerdy stuff we've been into. It's called What We've Been Watching and What We've Been Playing, where we talk about just that. If you're here live, you have a job to do. Let us know what you have been watching on Netflix, on Hulu, on TV, what you've been playing on PlayStation, Xbox, old school game consoles, PC, Switch, whatever it may be. Mac, do you want to lead off or should I lead off this week? You, I'll are you, lead are you off. parched? You okay? You just did a oh, whole yeah, I'm good. monologue. Let's hear it. What you been into? <laughs> so uh, what I've been into is I've been catching up on series that I've been missing out on. The current ser- season of uh, of Better Call Saul I'm watching. Uh, Mrs. I caught up. I watched um, Castlevania season three. Um, I have mixed feelings about that, which I won't go into right now. And Mrs. The Mac and I have been watching a show called Once Upon a Time. It is a series that ran from 2011 to 2017, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, my wife loves it. My wife loves it. We have just gotten into it, and you know what? It's pretty darn good. There's especially... Have you watched any of it, Mr. Nice Guy? I, I have, yeah. It wasn't my favorite, but it is a good show. I, I, see, I see what people like. There is especially a mid-season twist surrounding The Huntsman. Um, uh, aka the sheriff that I did not see coming, and uh, definitely some things that uh, that intrigued me about that. Um, so yeah, shout outs to Robo Ridley. Thanks Welcome, for coming Ridley, around, Ridley. Welcome. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's what I've been watching. And as for playing, I had the great honor to be the dungeon master remotely for a game of GURPS, which is you know my favorite, my preferred role playing system. Um, for a uh, for some very enthusiastic people over Ish Mobile's way. And I had this cool one that might be coming down the down the way. There was a uh, a, a very nice group of people who do uh, table topping for charity uh, for charity things, and I think a certain someone who will remain nameless um, gave them my information because they invited me to participate in one of their upcoming things if I was so inclined. So I'll be doing that eventually. Don't know when yet though. So that's what I've been watching, what I've been playing, and what I will be playing. Mr. Nice Guy, what about you? What have I been watching? <laughs> I did just finish season four of Better Call Saul. And Mac, that show, I tell you what, man. If, if there was ever a, po- a show we were going to do a podcast on, if we ever had infinite time, I would say between that and The Mandalorian, as far as shows that would just be fun to talk about, 
that's one of my top shows, Better Call Saul, man. Such a killer show. I don't want to talk about it right now and ruin it. So good. Everything from the writing, the cinematography. Dude, I was just going to say the camera angles. Like, it's strategic. Like, everything that happens. There's this one scene where Jimmy's walking out to his car. And, like, the camera is, like, positioned on, like, where the rearview mirror of the car is. And, like, I don't know why that made they made that decision, but it just made sense. Just watching it as a viewer, I'm like, that was very much intentional. Um, that it's kind of a weird angle, um, but it expresses, like, the emotion he's going through. Anyway, we won't get into that. Um, but it's, it's a killer show. Um, the acting is great. Bob Odenkirk, stand-up comedian. Uh, uh, grew up in Naperville, Illinois. Anyway, moving on. Um... Been watching a little bit of Marvel stuff. Oh, and my wife and I have been going back and re-watching the Pierce Brosnan James Bond movies. Um, so this past week we watched GoldenEye, and it was fun to re-watch that and just have fun memories of GoldenEye 64 as I watched it. And then we watched Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh, we will watch the other ones, The World Is Not Enough, and the other ones uh, later this week, I assume. Slappers uh, only, no odd job. Slappers only, no odd job. Paintball mode, big heads. Um... So, uh, as far as what I've been playing, it's been a lot of Apex Legends, because I do stream that on my Twitch channel, um, twitch.tv backslash MrNiceGuy425, shameless plug, uh, and, uh, what else? Mostly just that, dude. I've been playing a lot of Apex, I've been playing a little bit of Team Fight Tactics with my brother in Seattle, over the internet, and we'll leave it at that, Mac. Lots of cool stuff in the chat. You want to let us know what they've been into? Sure. I'll do the watching if you do the playing. Sounds good. Uh, so for watching, we've got King of the Hill from Uncle Ruckus. Um, let's see. Uh, we've got... Ooh, the original Pokemon anime from Spenis. Uh, Robo Ridley brings to us... Um, doesn't have any watching. Uh, Ishmobile's been watching The Expanse. Uh, Mets girl's been watching Doctor Who. She finished The Mandalorian as well. Solid choices. And uh, and yeah, that's what we've got for watching. Nice. Now what we've got for playing, Spenis has been into uh, The Last of Us. MLB The Show 20, which just came out. Ish Mobile said he's been into Minecraft. Or no, that's Uncle Ruckus, says Minecraft. He's quoting for Uncle Ruckus. They must be talking on Discord. Um, Robo Ridley says Super Metroid League of Legends and Final Fantasy 13. Ishmobile says Insurgency Sandstorm and Destiny 2. Uh, Mets Girl said Pokemon Go. We did not get to talk about this during the news segment, but Pokemon Go is going to be making changes that allows people to still catch Pokemon without having to go outside and travel as much due to the coronavirus. So I thought I'd throw that in there since she just mentioned that. Um, and I think that's it for playing. Excellent. Well, thanks everybody for coming out. Thanks for being a part of the show. You all are, as you know, the greatest viewers on Twitch and the greatest listeners in insert podcast platform name here. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. We'll see y'all next week. Same bat place, same bat time, stay, same bat rhyme. Keep it nerdy, y'all. Wash your hands. Deuces. See ya. <laughs>